0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning and welcome to another saunter. If you've not been following this series what I'm trying to do is go through the gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor and it strikes me as fascinating that a man of science would write such an interesting account of somebody who's clearly a miracle worker who does stuff that defies the normal laws of science and so Luke has tried to write what he says is a systematic account and so this is fascinating. I'm trying to just kind of unpick it a little bit and just put it out there and let people enjoy this wonderful eyewitness account and so welcome if you're sauntering for the first time and hi Kathy good to see you I'm gonna pray because that helps. <laughs> Lord thank you for this incredible book. Thank you that it's written by one of your friends who knew you intimately and Lord we want to know you intimately as well and so open our hearts, speak to us today. Amen. Fantastic. So we're on chapter seven today and uh, some wonderful, wonderful stories we've already had and some great bits of teaching and Jesus is kind of, we see a bit of insight into Jesus pulling aside to kind of get alone with God and spend special time with God when he's got big decisions coming up and all the rest of it. And so phenomenal. I mean, just so helpful this stuff. So, ver- chapter 7, verse 1, it says, After he'd finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was where Jesus was living, I think, um, I believe. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued to him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. So, the centurion is uh, is responsible for a detachment of roman soldiers numbering about 100 he's a responsible person he's known in the community and he he's this this centurion happens to be one of the good guys and so he's got friendships with the elders the jewish elders of the city and he says look can you make an approach to jesus because i'm a, excuse me i'm a gentile He's not going to want to come to my house. Can you kind of just try and intercede for me? Can you make a connection for me introduce, and just see if he'll come and heal my servant? Because this servant is valuable to me. And just even that alone gives us some insight into the humanity of this guy, that he cares that much about his servants in a time when servants were considered to be um, property Good morning, Adrian and Fran. Great to see you. And so, he's this servant's at the point of death. The elders come, at verse 4, it says, When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. So, I don't know whether Jesus was particularly bothered about all the kind of appeal on his be- on the centurion's behalf or whether he was influenced by their their kind of approach, but he's just, Jesus is kind, isn't he? And Jesus is going anyway. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, of centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, so, therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed, for I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marvelled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, and said, I tell you that not even in Israel have I found such faith and with those who had sorry and when those who had been sent returned to the house they found the servant well isn't that an amazing story so the the centurion is conscious of all the protocol with jews and gentiles jews were not kind of generally known to visit gentiles houses in case they caught something i don't know that it was unclean they weren't going to associate with the riffraff and the the centurion doesn't want to violate those codes, and he doesn't want to offend Jesus. And even he'd even sent people on his behalf because he thought that would be better than going himself. Um, again, because of the Jew Gentile thing, and now. He says, look, why don't you just say the word because I know that it's your word that has authority because I am a man under authority too. And he recognised that Jesus is a man under authority. And Jesus said, I am, I come to do the will of him who sent me. So I come to carry out the wishes of the one who sent me, which is God the Father. So Jesus, even though he's God, he's in this order of kind of mutual submission and so he's come to do the father's will and he he, Jesus's whole appearance and life on the earth is demonstrating what a son is like in in relation to the father and he's just here he says I only do what I see my father doing which is incredible isn't it so Jesus was he said I don't act on my own and the centurion understood all of this. And he was very much in a very established chain of command. And he knew that if he said go to one of his soldiers, they would go <coughs> and go to, you know, if he commanded one of his servants to get on with something, they would get on with it. So it was very cool. And Jesus says, this is incredible. This guy has got faith. And so he says, right, go home. He's fine. The, the, the man is well. And they went back. And he was healed. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Exciting. I'd love to see that kind of thing happening a bit more. Verse 11. Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. It's just important to say that even as Jesus' words have authority, when we speak in agreement with him and when we speak those words that come from him, and come from his heart, we have the same authority. We can walk in that same power and authority, even over sickness and even over those things. So we need to develop that same relationship that Jesus had with his father, that we can have that same, that there can be that same chain of command that that God gives us the uh, words to say, boom, we speak them out and the person is healed Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So the first guy, the servant, was really ill and was about to die. This guy has actually died. He's gone. And his mum is a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier. That's the kind of platform the coffin is on or the body is laid out on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Isn't that amazing? Jesus puts the fun into funerals. Jesus shows up, everything changes. And I think this, this is so much the theme of Luke's gospel that whenever Jesus turned up the fun started things started to happen there were showdowns between demons there were sick people getting healed there was a guy with a withered hand and suddenly he's got a normal hand and is fully functional there's a a guy who's dead who's about to die Jesus doesn't even go to see him he just speaks a word and he's well again now he comes to the dead guy literally dead and with a, just talks to him as if he's alive. and he says, "Arise, young man." <laughs> oh my! And so there was great fear and a sense that, "Whoa, God, this is this is amazing. What have you done? What is going on among us?" <clears throat> Verse eighteen: The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, bear in mind, this is a doctor writing this stuff. Okay, it's really helpful to just keep <laughs> bringing that back. Earth, this is a doctor writing this stuff down. He's seen the guy, he knows he's dead. This is a funeral. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. Come on. So John sent his disciples. John is in prison. His world has suddenly contracted into four walls of a tiny cell, maybe with a window and a door. From being out in the wilderness all his life and having that that those months of incredible effective ministry, suddenly he's now shrunken down into this little tiny stone box <clears throat> where his freedom is gone and maybe he's got chains on his hands, who knows, but... And he's thinking to himself, man, what is going on? And he's still obviously got some contact with his disciples. And he says, look, go and find out if Jesus really is the real deal. Is he the one we're waiting for? Or, you know, have I backed the wrong horse? When I said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, did I get it wrong? And so Jesus doesn't answer them straight away. He gets on and does the healing. And then he says to them, um... Verse 22, and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, apparently the Jews had a number of tests that they would test the Messiah against, and all of these categories of miracle um, really just tick those boxes off on that list and Jesus is saying look I'm come on <laughs> use your eyes just go and tell him what you've seen I know he's having a hard time but listen to listen to John his special message to John verse 23 he said and blessed is the one who is not offended by me now John is there in prison he's his time has really come to an end of useful ministry i'm sure he's sensing that and jesus jesus knows and he's close to john he loves john but he says john don't let this be a trap don't let this be a scandal on don't let what's going on in your heart be a trap that springs and ensnares you and takes your joy away so the word there for offended is like when you Baited trap and the animal takes the bait and bam they're trapped and or maybe even killed but they are suddenly and he's jesus is saying don't let a fence be a trap to you that takes you away from where you should be with god and spoils your relationship with god verse 24 when john's messengers had gone jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning john what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who live, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you so he said to these guys can put john in his mind now and he's thinking about it. john he says what did you go out to see when you went to see john did you go to see someone dressed did you go to see a fashion icon no you didn't you went to see a prophet and um and he is indeed a prophet and he's the you know a great prophet he is the one of whom it is written behold i send my messenger so <coughs> jesus again is Just validating and endorsing John and saying, yes, he is. He's the guy that the prophet Isaiah spoke of, someone to prepare the way ahead of the Lord. Verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. He's really bigging him up now and putting him up there and saying, this is a true giant of the faith. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What is he saying? What is Jesus saying? He he was saying, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He was saying that yesterday, wasn't he? Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He's saying, I am giving you access to my domain, to my kingdom, where all the rules and principles and... Miraculous stuff that happens in my kingdom is available to you, and Jesus is now saying, Listen, the least one who has got hold of this stuff is greater than John. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So, really, what he's saying is, John was influential, John was significant, John was a powerful man of God. But even the poor, even the hungry, even the needy people who are coming to me now and getting access to my kingdom are going to be able to do great things too, even greater. And when the people, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptised with the baptism of John. So they'd, they'd already had their hearts softened by John's message. And now they're saying, wow, God is good. We're up there with John. Um, and they but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves having not be being baptized by him it's really interesting they the Pharisees refused John's baptism and therefore they were not in a place of readiness when Jesus the Messiah walks in they harden their hearts to John messenger number one they're not able to receive the messenger number two the main messenger And we need to make sure that we keep our hearts open to God to receive his servants, to receive his messengers and to hear what he's saying and not allow our hearts to become hard because the messenger doesn't look right or the messenger's wearing camel skin and eating locusts or whatever it was in the case of John. Verse 31 he says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come, eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come, eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Jesus is saying, listen, you guys, you are, you're just impossible to please. Whatever, whatever we do, John was coming with a very serious, somber message. I'm coming eating and drinking and you, you call, you know, and you you don't want John, you don't want me. One of the, but anyway, he said wisdom is justified by all her children. So there's a, there's a, the people who are gonna to respond to the message are gonna bear the fruit they're gonna they're gonna go on to demonstrate that actually yes this was the message this was the word of god because of the way they live and of course that happened didn't it and jesus's disciples that he's just his apostles he's just appointed went on to do precisely the same things that Jesus had been doing and so the evidence was there for everybody to see that the stuff Jesus had said works and it still works today. Verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table and behold a woman of the city who was a sinner, a naughty lady, um, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster flask of ointment And Jesus answered, saying uh, Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. I should say, Hi, Pat and Mike, and hi Daniela. Um He said, Say it, teacher. So so the the Pharisee Is thinking, God, some prophet this guy is, he's got a prostitute or a kind of wayward woman slothering all over his feet and making a proper spectacle and showing herself up and everybody else. And yet he's just allowing it to carry on. What kind of man of God is this? Because he can't be very discerning. And this lady is weeping and wiping her tears on Jesus' feet with her hair and kissing his feet and all the rest of it. And it's like this, it's not respectable. It's not how you do things at a respectable Pharisee's house. And so he is offended. Now, remember, Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. He just said that to John, this Pharisee, is offended by Jesus because he's allowing this extravagance and this wanton display of emotion to go on from a woman who really isn't fit to touch a rabbi. And so um, Jesus looks at him and just challenges that because he knows what Simon's thinking. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. I think Jesus was going to anyway. Verse 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Come on. Can you imagine what Simon's thinking now? He's probably thinking, all right, stop already. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this story. There's another story, isn't there, where Mary Magdalene comes and does the same thing. And... (coughs) It's so beautiful because she just wants to give something precious to Jesus. He's there and its I don't suppose it's completely private because she's found her way in. But she's heard that he's in the house and she's gone and got this jar of precious ointment that's so valuable. And it's in this carved flask of alabaster which is a precious stone or like marble, you know, it's kind of valuable just of itself, and she smashes it and opens it and anoints Jesus, anoints his feet. His, he would have been lying at the table on, on his left arm with his feet sticking in back into the room and his head towards the table, <coughs> nestled in with all these other great and good and famous people, no doubt, and his disciples probably there. And the woman really, the, the part of Jesus she's got access to is his feet. And so she's just going to love his feet. And um, it's something about that beautiful surrender of worship. And, oh man. But the, here's the point of the story. And it isn't a parable. This is an event that happened. The point of the story is that Jesus then goes on to illustrate it with a parable. He says two people were forgiven. One was forgiven for 50, one was forgiven for 500 um, denarii, which is a day's wages. And he says, which one do you think loved the most? And the, the Pharisee says, obviously it was the one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, yeah, the one who is forgiven most loves most. I think one of the things we can easily do when we've been around Christian stuff for a while and we've been walking with God for a while is we can forget the debt of sin that we actually did owe when Jesus forgave us and we can become used to being in the environment where Jesus is or where people talk about Jesus and we can allow that first Flush of love and gratitude. And appreciation for all that he's done. to kind of become. To fade a bit. And to lose its intensity. Let us never ever forget. That our sin. Nailed Jesus to the cross. Our sin made Jesus. Become. That sacrifice. For our sin. He. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. The only reason we get to stand in his presence is because of what Jesus has done. Effectively one sin is enough to alienate us from God forever. But who among us have only committed one sin? Come on, let us stir up in our hearts that devotion adoration of jesus for all that he's done for us and just all that who he is is enough as well and jesus today we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts and we love you and lord forgive us when we get used to it and we stop appreciating fully what you have done for us not just your forgiveness but your continued kindness to us your continued smile your continued favor on our lives lord jesus we thank you so much amen have a great day everyone god bless you I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, and Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.